Welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Veer Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dating Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps you can take to protect yourself and your community. We give you the information and tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. So if you're interested in participating and you're comfortable sharing, you can join us for questions, just like these amazing people are doing here tonight. You can also chat in the uh, chat box. Just be aware that your chats are also recorded. So I am your host, Veer Koto. I'm a geek, a kinkster, and a privacy advocate. You can check out my very outdated website at veerkoto.com. You can email me at veer at veerkoto.com, or I'm on FetLife as Veerkoto, all one word. The opinions expressed in this series are my own. Your mileage may vary. Consult your doctor if after taking my advice, you have an erection that lasts more than four hours. Speaking of doctors, I am not feeling 100% tonight. So if I uh, take a pause to cough or I sound a little scratchy, uh, just be aware that's them's the breaks, but we're in this together. We're going to get through this. Uh, I believe in us. And, uh, so here we go. So we're going to talk about not getting overwhelmed, uh, about your privacy. And there is so much privacy invading technology out there from browsers that watch you, uh, what you do online speakers that listen into your conversation. Uh, TVs that have cameras that watch you, um, even vacuum cleaners that are sucking up your private data. It seems like every week there's a new privacy alert in the news. And with so much of the world seeming so tenuous right now, it's easy to become scared and, easy, and even overwhelmed. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about how not to be overwhelmed and how to keep your cool and keep your privacy. The question I get asked most is, can you undo the past? And to me, that's a lot like asking, can you put the toothpaste back in the tube? And the answer is that you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. But what you can do is make changes going forward. And so, yes, if your privacy is invaded and all your private data is out there, someone might find your activities uh, of the past. But by changing the things you do now, you're going to improve things going forward. Um, so let's let's start there. Um, we'll call it acceptance. Uh, we're accepting the past isn't something we have control over, uh, but what we do have control over is our role in shaping the future. Um, and it's a lot like your health. You can't reverse having a heart attack, or if you've had a heart attack, but you can change your habits and improve your health outcomes going forward. Ah. Can folks hear me? Uh, sorry about that. I am not. Uh, can. Yes. Okay, great. Sorry about that. Um, so you can't reverse having a heart attack. Um, but if you change your habits, you can have a full life. If you change your privacy practices, you can come out of, of a bad situation better than you were before. Plug in here. Great. Um, 
So yes, you don't have to be uh, afraid and hide, um, and uh, you can you can live your life. The next thing to remember is that you are not a secret agent. Um, and if you are a secret agent, this class isn't for you. So if you're a spy, a political activist in an oppressive regime, or a criminal running from law enforcement, the tips that I'm going to give you aren't going to be able to protect you from a government who wants to use their unlimited budget to spy on you. But luckily, you're probably not a spy. And that means that you're probably not being individually spied on. And don't get me wrong, your data is vulnerable and you still need to be careful about what you do online, but it's a lot easier to protect yourself against the kind of casual or passive surveillance that most of us are under, rather than an active surveillance like you'd be if the government was really after you specifically. No, this webinar isn't aimed at spies, it's aimed at your nice, normal, average, everyday kinkster. Uh, and this webinar in particular is how not to get overwhelmed about your privacy, and that's what we're going to focus on. Simple guidelines to keeping your privacy and keeping your mental health. Um, we've, we've done an intro to King and privacy before, so this is a little different. This is more of a guide to keeping all of that advice that we give uh, on this series organized. It's back to basics. It's key principles you can use. So if you're already familiar with the series, and I know some of you are, and you've, you've listened and you've watched all these videos, and this is a nice refresher, or maybe a nice way of organizing all the hard work you've already done. But if this is your first time, first of all, welcome. And you can think of this tonight's talk as the foundation that you can build your kink privacy on top of. So our plan, it's as simple as five, four, three, two, one. And uh, that's why we're, we're doing it simple, right? Simple, can't get much simpler than five, four, three, two, one. So. What does that look like? It looks like five things to look out for, four things to change now, three things to keep you motivated, two things to have if your privacy is violated, and one thing to always remember. So uh, hopefully this will be easy for you to remember, uh, this whole thing, easy for you to put into practice, and uh, maybe even a little bit fun. So let's start with five things to look out for when you're thinking about your privacy. First off, if someone is, is asking for your ID, that's a big red flag. There are very few times that you absolutely need to give your ID. If you're dealing with some government service, then sure, you're probably going to need ID. And I'm not telling you not to present your ID to the police or to the airlines or uh, to other, you know, government or, or other situations where you do need ID. But if a person or a company asks your ID, I think it's totally legit to ask, why do they need it? And if they answer, because we do, or because it's policy, that's not a good reason. And so if they insist, ask them, ask whoever it is that's asking for your ID, if they're going to make a copy of it, or if they're going to store your ID somewhere. Recently, a large company that does shopping for you, um, I'll call them Impstermart, uh, flagged my account and insisted that I email them a photocopy of my ID or a scan of my ID. And I asked them, 
what their policy was around keeping my ID. And they refused to answer. They said it was a company secret. Um, and so that's a big nope for me. And I don't use uh, Imster Mart anymore. So similarly, if a kink event wants your ID, you can ask why. That doesn't mean you have to refuse to give it to them. You can still give it to them. I've shown my ID to kink events before, but I think it makes sense to ask and to look out for someone who's asking for your ID. The uh, next thing to look out for is lack of a privacy policy. If an organization, we'll say a kink organization or a event promoter or any anyone is is collecting information about you, whether they're an you know whether they're an online company, an offline company, whatever, they should have a privacy policy. In fact, it's not legal to not have a privacy policy for your website in most places. So if you're dealing with an organization and they don't have a privacy policy and they've got a, a sophisticated website, they're probably not uh, complying with the law, or at least they might not be. So if an organization is, is asking for information about you, like your um, government ID name, or your birthday, or your physical address, what are their policies? Are, are these policies written out? Can you take a look at them? What do they say? Who's going to have access to it? Um, what are they going to do with it? How long are they going to keep it? Um, look, having a privacy policy on its own is not an indicator that your data is safe, right? So, so the word privacy policy does not mean safe. Uh, a privacy policy could say something like, we're going to collect all your private data and give it away to all of our friends. But if someone doesn't have a privacy policy, then that's an indicator that they don't even take your privacy serious, seriously enough to write it out. And in that case, instead of expecting the best, you should expect the worst, right? If somebody doesn't have a privacy policy, your default position needs to be, well, they could just give it away. They could sell it. They could, uh, you know, they could they could keep it forever. They could make copies and give it away to all their, to all of my friends and all my enemies, right? That's that's the unfortunate position that you need to take if someone doesn't have a privacy policy that you can look at and look toward um, and hold them accountable to. So if someone doesn't have a privacy policy, huge big red flag. And uh, if you do find uh, a privacy policy attached to a website, a service, or, or an organization, read it. Um, we did an entire episode called Reading the Labels, and that's all about how to read these kind of policies, as well as going through some of that uh, marketing speak that we often find on websites. So uh, if you want to understand how to cut through a lot of the marketing speak, a lot of the meaningless terms, but also how to read some of these policies quickly and easily, uh, go check out that episode. Um, and the biggest two things, most important things that you want to be looking for in a privacy policy is who and why. And that's because lots of privacy policies say what they're going to collect. In fact, that's what they're usually required to say. Um, so they might say in the privacy policy, well, we collect your IP address and your government name. They'll usually just say your name. Um, they'll say, well, we collect your geolocation. 
etc. Um, and, and usually when they say these things, um, they'll say them in the most complicated legalese. Um, so they'll, they'll instead of just saying we, we collect your location, they'll say we collect your device's geolocation tag or some other thing. Um, or instead of saying we collect your uh, phone information, they'll say well, we collect the advertising ID of your device, right? But but those are really just ways of, of getting around what they're really doing, which is just collecting information about you. But rarely, rarely do these um, privacy policies go into why. Why do they need that information? And, um, you know, that's in many ways just as important. So um, when you're reading the privacy policy, you, you can sometimes figure that out because it'll sometimes say, oh, we we will share your data with, with our partners or we may sell your data um, and if they sell if they say they're going to sell your data or exchange your data for goods or services um, well the, the why is pretty clear it's uh, that they're doing it for money um, but you know you can also sometimes figure out uh, you know why just by, by asking um, so be a little suspicious too um, if you're looking at an app like a flashlight app or a video game and that flashlight app says it needs access to your sorry about that uh, if it says it needs access to your phone's location ask yourself does it really need that similarly sometimes if you're going to a kink event they're going to need your ID maybe to verify your age or for a signed agreement but if you're going to a munch ask yourself does the munch organizer uh, really need your ID, um, or if you're an S-type or you're a prospective uh, D-type is asking for your ID, um, but they don't reciprocate and hand over theirs in return, you might want to ask yourself why, if that makes sense to you. Um, and I know that that seems like I'm talking about ID, but it's also the who and the why, right? It's These are all connected. Um, generally, you want to understand uh, who has access to your data and why they need it. And uh, a simple way of getting that information is just asking them, why do you need this? Um, and I find that uh, if you ask uh, someone like a munch organizer, you know, why they need your ID and they respond enthusiastically and explain why, um, then you've opened up a dialogue, right? So if you say, hey, you know, why are you asking me for this? And they say, oh, um, I don't really want it, but the the restaurant here or the venue really needs it or it's a security measure or whatever um, they should tell you that and you can make decisions based on that but if they turn defensive and they become accusatory um, well that'll tell you something too right it tells you not only what they're doing with your data but how they respond to being questioned so and that can also be extremely extremely useful uh, understanding that kind of pressure that, that an organizer or a potential D-type or whoever, a play partner, um, can have on you, which is a great segue talking to uh, talking about uh, social pressures generally. So look, I don't want to turn this into an after-school special, but social pressure is a big reason that many of us give up on our principles. 
So everyone is using this new app or everyone is playing this new game. And we feel like if we don't do the same thing, we're going to be left out. And when it comes to kink or sex, there's that extra motivator or feeling like if we don't give in, we'll be socially outcast. If we don't give our ID when presented, we'll miss out on the whole con and all of our friends are going to be there and we're not going to be there to talk to them or know them and we're going to miss out on play and we're going to miss out on meeting that special person that's going to change our whole world. Um, and, and that can be very scary, just that fear. Um, and if we're new, if we're new to the scene, we may not even realize or know what the norms are for this kink community, right? Everything seems so different and, and, and unique. Um, we don't know what the parameters are. And, uh, and if we're really new and our hormones are raging and we're so excited, uh, it's easy to just, you know, get lost in, in the excitement and get lost in the feeling. And then we give up on all of our principles. And so when you're feeling that pressure, when you're feeling that, that overwhelmed, uh, I don't know what to do and maybe I'm going to miss out and all that, that's a great time to stop and think about your values and think about your safety and realize that so much of this fear, it's an illusion it, because there's always going to be another event. There's always going to be another opportunity. And, uh, and if that organizer is making you feel like there isn't, then that's really about them, right? It's, it's, it's about the way they're approaching this, which doesn't sound, you know, if they're doing this, it's not very healthy. So look, I'm never going to tell you what to do here. I'm giving you the information. So I'm not going to tell you that, you know, you should never, ever give in but I am telling you to look out for that feeling of social pressure. And if you feel pressured to do something that you didn't intend to do when you entered, um, maybe take a little break, clear your head and really consider your options. So with that, let's talk about the last, uh, the last thing to look out for, and that's free stuff. And uh, this is usually uh, when we're talking about apps, um, or websites and all you have to do is put this app on your phone and we'll send you money. Um, the latest one I saw uh, is all you have to do, all you have to do is put this app on your phone and then take pictures of all your receipts, scan them into your app and then we'll send you money, uh, which, you know, is pretty ridiculous, right? So, um, if, if you're, if you're being asked to send all your receipts, you're, what you're really doing is, is, uh, just letting them spy on you. Um, but there are examples here in the kink community too. Um, you see a lot of events where, uh, women get into an event for free, uh, but men have to pay uh, on a common, a common saying you've probably heard is when you're not paying, you're the product. Well, that's not always true. But in this case, it's pretty true, right? In the case of gendered pricing, um, if you're not paying, you're the product, you're the draw. So be on the lookout for free stuff. Um, again, there are no automatic stops. I'm not gonna tell you that you should never, ever, ever take free stuff, but you should be paying attention to those, uh, to those things, those red flags when they arise. So we've gotten through. The, the things to look out for now, 
here are four things to change. Um, and I'm going to do this uh, in no particular order. Um, well, actually, no, in, in, in order. So um, don't give information away unless you absolutely need to. Uh, and this is harder than it seems, both online and in kink. Um, the need to share is a natural part of our experience. But as a kinkster, you need to not give away information to people that don't need it. So for example, if you're attending a class or you're meeting someone at a munch, they don't need to know your legal name. They don't need to know what you do for work. They don't need to know where you live. That information about you is precious and you don't need to just give it away for nothing. Um, when you're on a new website and the sign up asks you for a ton of private information, you don't need to give it to them. You don't need to reveal your innermost secrets. It, it helps to remember when you put your information onto an online form, uh, imagine that there's someone sitting across from you. Um, when I do this, I get really creative with it. I imagine this guy, he has a cigar in one hand and he has grease stains on his shirt. And as I'm filling out the form, he's staring at me. You know, he's like, he's making me uncomfortable. He's kind of pushing me to hurry up with his body language. And I think, why is this guy so interested in my private data? So you should find what works for you. Uh, maybe it's this image of this sleazy guy. Maybe it's something else. But the key thing to remember is that your data doesn't just disappear when you hit submit. It gets used. Um, and that's most often in the, in the form of being sold to other companies or, or traded for deals. Um, and that's called surveillance capitalism, where your private information is collected by uh, individual apps or websites, and then it's uh, sold to the highest bidder. Um, and that, look, these companies, they're spying on you. That's, that's really what they're doing. And then they sell that, spy, that data that they've spied on you with to other companies. And those companies can be things like uh, data brokers, advertisers, or even governments. And the easiest way to deal with all of that is just not to give them the information in the first place. The less information they have, the less they can do with it. So once you've decided not to give your, your information away, you need to protect the information that you do have out there. Um, and in kink and sex positive communities, we think a lot about risk and safety. And this is the very same thing. And you should be taking basic precautions around your data. There are lots of ways we give our data away without realizing it, from wearing our work badge to a social event, to wearing maybe some work swag, right, that has our company logo, um, using a credit card. Um, we, we even talked about how um, you know, things like EasyPass uh, transmit our location at all times. Um, and these are all ways that we're giving away our data without even realizing. Um, if you're talking about online, some ways you can protect your data um, would be to protect your accounts. Use a good password manager and or use two-factor authentication. We've talked about this um, multiple times in the series. Um, So you'll want to go back to some of our previous episodes where we, we talked about choosing a good password manager. We talked about two-factor authentication. Um, you might want to also look at which web browser you're using. 
and which browser extensions you have. There are some browsers which are more private than others. And then there are some extensions with which completely ruin your online privacy. Um, and there are some that really enhance it. So um, you'll, we also did an entire, actually, I think it's two or three part series on web browsers. Yeah, it was a three part series, two on web browsers and one on plugins. So you'll want to check that out. Um, you also have the option of using a VPN or using Tor. We did an entire episode on VPNs and Tor, so you can also check that out. Um, so, uh, but I think more important than the browsers, more important than the VPN, more important than Tor, is just to keep your username and password safe. You can't keep yourself safe from break-ins. Um, so if someone breaks into the website, uh, you know, you can't stop that. But you can keep your data out of the hands of most um, hackers by using a good password manager, right? Because even if they break in, if you're using totally different passwords on every site, it doesn't really help them, uh, doesn't really help the attacker that much. So on that note, um, something that's come up in some conversations, um, don't share your personal passwords. Um, I, I know this is some things, this is something that some folks do, uh, and I can't imagine why. No one but you needs your email password or your social media password. Don't share them with other people. Don't share them with your roommate. Don't share them with your friend. Don't share them with your partner. Um, the, you know, there might be situations where you need, where they might need it. Um, let's say if you're incapacitated, right? But aside from then, they don't need those things. Um, and uh, you shouldn't be giving that away. So, so don't. Um, four things to change now. Number three, find your allies. Finding your allies is a crucial part of keeping not only your privacy, but your sanity. So what do I mean by allies? I mean those people in your life who care about you and have your back. If nothing else, consider this series an ally. Um, the, the idea of finding your allies is that if you find yourself in trouble, the allies are the people you can turn to. Um, and they could be friends that you trust, family members who are always there for you, people in the scene, organizations that you know have your back, whoever you think can be there for you, those are your allies. Uh, and make a list of them. Write that list out. You know, don't just make a mental list. Write it out. Or make a file. Put it on your computer. Have that list ready so that if something awful does happen, you don't have to think about it and you know exactly where to turn. Um, this is this is a, a big one, a really important one that I think gets overlooked. Lastly, and uh, I'm going to say maybe even most importantly, is compartmentalize. And compartmentalize just means to keep your kink and your outside life separate. Uh, and most of us already do some kind of compartmentalization. Um, we maybe don't talk about our intimate life with our coworkers, and we don't talk about our work life with our children necessarily. Um, I'm just suggesting taking that idea a little bit further and with some clear boundaries. So um, have a scene name. So if you're in a kink event, have a scene name that you use for your kink events. Have a separate email address for you use for your kink stuff. And maybe even have a second phone number that you use just for kink. Um, this is the most important thing to change if you aren't already doing this. If you aren't already doing this, um, 
this this is this is the thing I'm going to underline and circle and highlight compartmentalize. So here we are. Um, you've been given nine tips so far. Uh, and I know we're going fast, but you've already been given nine tips. So we're going to take some time to focus not on more tips, but how to keep you motivated, how to keep you on this journey. And the first thing to keep you motivated is to realize that no one is perfect. And I know <laughs> that saying no one is perfect doesn't sound too good. It sounds kind of bad. But what I mean by that is that we're all learning, we all make mistakes, and we're all figuring this out. No one, no one has it all figured out and all right. And moreover, there is no right. Because these decisions, they're not decisions that I can make or that somebody else can make for you. These are decisions that you need to make for yourself as an individual. They're, in, they're, they're, they're decisions that only you can make for yourself. So when you compare yourself to others, and that can be about privacy, but that can also be about you know measuring uh, yourself as a dom or a sub or a master or a slave or a, you know maybe you measure yourself by your kinks. So oh I'm not nearly as good a rigger or I'm not nearly as good a rope bunny or uh, you know, whatever your kink is. Um, just realize that there is no perfect. Right. This isn't this. That's not about. It's not about this. This. It's not about uh, being this ideal. It's about being your best self, um, and that you know that includes your mental health, your physical health, your and your privacy. So, second thing that I hope will keep you motivated is to realize that this is a process. It's a journey, and it's part of your journey. And the goal of your journey shouldn't just be the destination. It should be uh, how you get there. The experience and lessons that you pick up along the way, they're just as important as, as your destination. So with that, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to you're going to fumble, you're going to stumble, you're going to screw up. I've screwed up, <laughs> I've screwed up on my kink journey. I've screwed up with my privacy too. And uh, we all do. We all make mistakes. And the best thing we can do when we make a mistake is to take a moment, pause, and brush ourselves off and try again using what we've, what we've learned. And that's the process. And that's why that toothpaste analogy that I gave you earlier is kind of weird because you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. But we're not trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, into a tube. We're, we're trying to live our lives. And life, life has complexities, life has mistakes. So um, this is a process, you know, and we're all in this together. With that, let's talk about radical acceptance. Uh, radical acceptance, if you're not familiar with it, is the idea that we need to approach a situation based on what it is and not what we'd like it to be. If something bad has happened in your life, Fighting that reality won't bring you happiness, and it won't bring you strength. You need to accept what's happened and start there. So using that analogy from earlier, if you actually had a heart attack, talking about all the things you should have done differently won't heal you. If your spouse leaves you, there's no benefit in ruminating over all the ways that things could have been different. 
And if your privacy is violated, there's no point in beating yourself up over it. The best thing you can do is accept the situation as it is and start from there. If you had a heart attack, what can you change about your health today? If your spouse left you, what can you do to find peace and joy in your life now? And if your privacy has been violated, what do you need, what do you need to do to take care of it from here on? Radical acceptance isn't easy. In fact, I think it's one of the hardest things to do. But it's the thing that I believe will give you the most peace, which is why it's number, uh, well, it's number three on this list. It's the last one we're doing. So, look at this. We're nearly at the finish line already. We're down to two things that you have, that you should have, uh, that things to have if your privacy is violated. Look, no matter what you do, no matter how good you might be about keeping your privacy, sometimes these things are out of your control. If a website is breached, or if your former partner turns on you, or your data is stolen somehow, it could just be that there was nothing you could have done to protect your privacy. And if that happens, you might find intimate details of your life, or intimate photos, or something else out there on the internet, or you know, out there that you can't control anymore. And that, this situation, is when you really want a privacy plan. That privacy plan should include your allies from earlier and also a checklist of basic necessities. If your job is in jeopardy, make sure you have a plan for some money to fall back on. Or if your social media is under attack, have someone who can take over your social media for you. Um, we covered a lot of this in our Intro to Kink and Privacy, as well as our episode on what to do if your privacy is violated episode. So those are two episodes uh, I recommend checking out. Having this plan ready beforehand will save you a lot of mental energy. And just as importantly as having the plan, you need to follow this plan. You need to follow your own plan. You need to practice radical acceptance, look at the situation, and follow your plan. Um, and executing this plan might mean that you need to reveal things about yourself to people. Um, it might mean that you have to tell your friends about kink, uh, maybe the ones that don't know, or maybe your family. Or in some situations, you may have to involve a third party, you know, a nonprofit organization that's going to help you, um, or maybe even involving law enforcement. You may need to find a therapist, um, but Whatever that plan is, having this plan is going to be important in helping you get back to a healthy place. So highly, highly recommend it. Um, and the next thing you need, aside from a practical privacy plan, is a self-care plan. Don't skip this step. Most kinksters already have a self-care plan for a drop. Um, and if you do, then reuse it here. My personal self-care care plan involves involves things uh, that I want to sorry involves things that I like and things that I need to do so my my self-care plan has favorite foods it has playing video games 
as taking a bath, watching certain TV shows or movies, certain podcasts. Um, it also has instructions, things that I tell myself I have to do. Things like, you must shower, Veer. When you're in trouble, you need to shower once a day. Because for me, when I'm really stressed or depressed, sometimes I find it hard to take a shower and I skip a day. And turns out that that, that doesn't really help my mental health. So uh, I'm not going to tell you you should follow my plan. You need to make a self-care plan for yourself that, reflows, that reflects yourself and your needs. So down to the last one, the always remember. So sometimes the hardest part about this privacy stuff or any part of being in a scene is the feeling that you're alone, that you're isolated, and that you're the only one going through whatever it is that you're going through or whatever it is that you're dealing with. And guess what? In some ways, you're right. Only you have the experience of your life. Only you have that unique combination of life experiences. So, you know, only you truly know what you're going through, but you're not alone. Others are here for you. We're here for you. And uh, take advantage of that especially when you need it most. Uh, take advantage of the fact that you have allies here. You have people that have gone through it. You have people that know what you're dealing with. And with that, we're done. So I'm sure some of you have questions, which we'll get into. Um, I'll be reading the comments in the chat. I'll be soliciting questions, asking you for your thoughts and questions and ideas. Um, and we'll be doing that right after we talk just a little bit about Dating Kinky and Dating Kinky Plus. So one minute while I take a drink of water. So this series, Keeping Secrets, it wouldn't be possible without the support of Dating Kinky. Dating Kinky has been incredibly supportive in helping me get this information out to you. So now I'm going to talk to you about their offering, Dating Kinky Plus, and why I think it's a great deal. If you're here listening to me, presumably you care about kink education, whether that's this series on privacy, learning BDSM skills like rope, flogging, fire play, or it's soft skills like how to be a better dominant or how to be a better submissive or relationship skills, non-monogamy or more. If you care about this kind of theories, or you want to learn more about various uh, kink topics, well, that's where Dating Kinky Plus comes in. Dating Kinky has tons of webinars, just like this one, that you can watch and listen to. Their library of kink educational material has, I think it says 400, but I think it's more, more than 400 hours of material on so many topics. Topics like being a newbie in the scene, power exchange, communication, non-monogamy, mental health, as well as this series on privacy. Joining Dating Kinky Plus also gives you access to books like The Big Book of Ass, FLR, Femdom, and Women in Charge, and Next Stop, O-Town. You get access to additional features in the Dating Kinky app so you can find someone to connect with. 
with all this amazing content, it's easy to overlook the dating part of Dating Kinky. So let's not do that. To reiterate, you get access to tons of educational material, books, Dating Kinky app features, and more. And as of right now, as of the time of this recording, it's only $9.99 a month, which really isn't a lot when you consider how much you're getting. But here's the thing. If you sign up for six months or a year, you'll save 40% on top of that, which takes this from being a really good deal to being an incredible deal. And if none of that has convinced you, well, I'll give you one more. By signing up to Dating Kinky Plus, you show your support for this series, the Keeping Secrets series with me, Birkoto. And you show that you care about kink education and kink privacy. And I'll even add one more. On January 27th to the 29th, later this month, uh, Dating Kinky will be doing an event. It's not cheating. It's ethical non-monogamy. So that's three days, three days of talks on non-monogamy. Um, and all you have to do uh, is go to, oh, geez, I've, I think I've lost the site. Uh, I want to I get that for you. So just give me a moment. Um, sorry about this. I had it written down and I lost it. I want to make sure that you all get this information because it's important. Uh, you know what? I'll get it to you before the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, I'll get it to you before the end of the episode. If Ryan is here, he will share that link uh, to It's Not Cheating. Um, I believe it's, uh, yeah, he'll get it to you before the end of the episode. So with that, let's take some questions. And in the meantime, I will find uh, that link. So, okay. All right. So, uh, BW asks, 10 years ago, a census worker asked for my social security number while I was raking leaves. Recently, a cop asked for my social security number when I turned in possible evidence I found on a sidewalk. Yeah, that's, um, I don't believe that, uh, and I could be wrong, um, and I am not a lawyer, but I don't believe that you have to uh, tell the census uh, your social security number. And I, depending on where you live, you may or may not also need to give um, the police that information. I could be wrong, um, but but that would scare me and it would be pretty creepy. So I, I'm with you there, BW. That's uh, pretty upsetting. Let's see. Cosmopolite says, an organizer recently asked me to get on video on a video call with them. When I asked why and if it changed and if it and if they changed their policies, we'd be asking other people to get on video call with them. They refused to answer my questions. I had been attending their their events virtually for nearly a year without any issues until this point. Well, that's pretty.
sorry about that, folks. Uh, having a bunch of uh, audio issues tonight, plus I coughed. <laughs> so uh, between those two things, uh, uh, had a little bit of uh, an issue. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that is creepy, uh, and I'm glad that you had the wherewithal to say no. Um, a lot of so uh, uh, if you have more about that Cosmopolitan, I'd love to hear it. Um, BW says a lot of people don't know how not to ask what do you do for a living and a munch. Uh, the small talk questions. It's true. Um, in my intro to kink and privacy, I uh, gave some some examples of things to ask. So uh, what brings you here? How long have you been in the scene? What kinds of things are you into? Um, and those are great substitute questions for the normal, what do you do kind of things, um, which, which most of us have learned to ask. Um, BW also says recently cops have put up license plate cameras uh, in the medians here. Uh, they're flock cameras, yeah. So this is also pretty scary, right? Uh, the, the, it's the kind of information that uh, these these police officers are collecting, and they're not even telling people about. In many cases, um, if this happens and you feel comfortable, you know, going to your local um, uh, community, um, you know, your local town meetings, expressing your um, your frustration, getting that information out there um, can can be effective depending on where you live. Um, maybe getting it to turn into a local ordinance so that the police uh, can't do that would be great. Um, but yeah, it is pretty scary. Um, Temptress Eve says, heck, people flat out ask me what company I work for at events. I'm going to be more discreet about my line of work in the future. Yeah, they shouldn't be asking you that. That's really inappropriate. Uh, people in the kink community should know better. Um, I suspect that maybe with the COVID, uh, you know, influx of new folks, you know, every year, I mean, you know, regularly, you know, the kink community has new folks that come in. And it's possible that with all these new folks uh, post-COVID, uh, people just don't know what is and is not appropriate to ask. Um, but you know, that makes it our job to teach them. Uh, people in my community have started ask have started wearing name tags at events with their scene name and vanilla name on them. Is this a good idea? Um, you know, I think that there are reasons to do um, lots of things. Uh, you know, I, I would one thing I would ask myself is: Are the people's scene names? So are other people's real names really their real names? So, um, um, you know, I know several people in the community who will, when asked where their scene name is, they will say, oh, and they'll just, they'll give their, um, their FetLife username. But their FetLife username isn't their scene name. And then they'll have another name that they'll say, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Lion400. But you can call me Frank. But then it turns out that Frank's not their real name either. When I say real name, it's not the name on their government ID. So you might want to do the same, right? Just because someone says, oh, this is my real name, doesn't mean it has to be your government name. Um, you can have multiple layers. 
can have as many layers as you want. You can put whatever you want on that. Um, and I don't, I don't really see a great reason why you would need to um, have, you know, put two names. It's silly. Um, local group, uh, BW says, local group tried name tags at a munch. Restaurant staff tried to guess everyone's role, etc. No more name tags. Uh, name tags at private parties might be good. Yeah, I think that's creepy. Um, restaurants shouldn't, um, in many in many cases, shouldn't even need to know this is a kink event. It's, it's um, that that would make me very uncomfortable. I don't think I would go back to a munch like that. Um, and I, I I certainly wouldn't, even if they knew it was a kink event. Um, it's really an, I, I would I would find that highly inappropriate. I'd, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be angry. I wouldn't go to an event like that. But that's me, right? This is uh, this whole this whole series is about the choices that are right for you. Um, so, oh, and Andy, yes, it is. Uh, it, I was going to say that it's not cheating.com, right? So the event, January twenty seventh to the 29th by dating kinky, it's not cheating.com. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, Cosmopolite says the leader of an organization first said that I need to get on a video call with someone from their organization. I offered the name of someone I've video chatted with regularly after asking for the person's consent and the leader of that organization said I needed to go on a video call with them. I thought that was sketchy as hell. So I said, no, this person has a personal issue with someone I've interacted with. So I suspected the person is either super paranoid or is punishing me for association with the person they conflict with. It's possible. It's possible, right? Um, I think I have various different feelings about um, video calls, right? And in some ways, they can be more. Um, they can, they can in some ways feel a little bit less intimidating than meeting someone in person, um, you know, and I can understand that. Uh, on the other hand, someone can be recorded more easily on a video call. Um, if, it, if it's about meeting someone for an in-person event, I don't see the point. Uh, I think it's silly because if you're talking about meeting someone to vet them for an in-person event, go vet them. Go vet them in person, all right? If, if it's for an online event, maybe sure, or an online thing, yeah, maybe that's all you want to do. But I certainly wouldn't show my face. Um, that's my own personal view. You know, I would maybe do what I'm doing here, um, just go on a voice call. So, yeah, it was under the guise of video chatting for safety. That's a strange, it's a strange idea, isn't it? Video chatting for safety. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I can't tell someone what, you know, what they should do, but that certainly, that certainly gives me the creeps a little bit. Let's see here. Yeah. And if you don't require, and if you don't have the same policies for everyone, um, you know, that's also a red flag. I will say, you know, as, as someone who is, is looking to potentially start a new event, um, where I live, um, I think there are people who I might, you know, there might be different policies toward, um, but it's, and it's complicated. Um, but I agree that, you know, generally 
things should be across the board, right? It shouldn't matter if you're uh, a single, um, you know, if you're a single male identifying person uh, or a coupled um, female identifying person or a polyamorous non-binary person, uh, you know, whatever it is, hopefully, hopefully we treat everybody, um, everybody the same. Uh, so I see one more, I see someone is typing, so I will wait for that. Thanks for being, uh, uh, aw, thank you so much to him who writes, uh, thanks for being an ally in our privacy education. So thank you so much. And, um, uh, thank you all for being here tonight. Um, you know, look, I know this isn't the sexy, you know, this isn't the sexy, uh, the, this isn't the sexy talk, right? This isn't the, the rope, you know, this isn't the, this isn't the rope. This isn't the fire play. This isn't the, ca the caning, uh, you know, this isn't the spanking. Um, this isn't the hypno, this isn't the electro play. Um, you know, this isn't the, the, the sexy positions. Uh, this isn't the begging. Um, this isn't the fun, you know, this is not the fun uh, class, um, but it's the necessary class. And I'm, I'm happy to be here for you all. Um, I'll be happy to be here for you next week. Sorry, next week, next month, next month, first Thursday of the month, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and I, I hope all of you, um, who, who are considering dating kinky plus join, um, and, uh, and I hope you, if, if you're into non-monogamy or you're curious about non-monogamy, you go to notcheating.com and, um, learn lots and lots and lots. So thank you all for being here. And you can also email me anytime at veer at veercato.com. So thank you all.